Hello and welcome to episode 100 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Joining me once again is the glorious League Freak. He's been here for all 100 episodes, unlike myself. You can find oh, him yeah. on Twitter at Freak. How you going there, mate? Yeah, I didn't even think of that. How many have you done? You've missed 99. one. 99, yeah. Far out. How about that? So, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, so given that this is our um, 100th episode mm-hmm. and it's not as... <laughs> It's not a big celebration like we were working on. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe we can do that for my 100th in the next episode. Yeah. It's like I've got strike and I've got my century and you're still yeah. on 99 at the non-strikers end. That's right. We're looking for our double century yeah. for, the, for the partnership. Yeah, to raise the bat. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So um, plenty has gone on today in the rugby league world. Mm. Yeah, we were we were like, we were thinking, oh, what do we talk about? And we'll do some sort of special thing for a hundred and stuff. But there's just so much news and things going on that we kind of have to do this. <laughs> yeah, the the rugby league world has kind of shit itself in some ex- some extent today. Mm. Uh, so there's going to be nothing linking all this together. We're just going to randomly go through it all so we'll start with the thing that did happen today that was big and positive and that is the nrl draw for 2020 got uh released today yeah and it seems to have been received positively like by 100 percent of people i've yet to see anybody complain about anything at all which i think is the first time ever it seems like it's a really really good draw it's got a lot of interesting quirks to it it's got a lot of uh I think it's pretty fair overall. There's a lot of Sunday afternoon games in there, which is good. Um, I haven't looked at the Thursday night games and things like that just yet, but everything else that I've seen is absolutely fantastic. I can tell you through a bit of research that I've done that this is possibly, I won't say definitely, but this is possibly the most even and fairest draw we've seen in a long time as far as the gap between the toughest draw and the easiest draw. Um, there really isn't much gap compared to a lot of seasons in the past. Yeah, and you, I mean, you crunched the numbers for hours and hours last night. Um, and you, like, we should go through that because you did, you put a lot of really good work into it, and I sort of sat here going, oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, so um, I use a system whereby um, each team got a score based on who their opponent was and their ladder position at the end of the regular season last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for example, if the Titans play Melbourne, then the Titans get one point and the Melbourne Storm get 16 points because the Titans finish 16th, Melbourne finish first. And I go through all of that, and when that's all done, the team with the lowest score is deemed to have the hardest draw. Mm-hmm. Right, so... And the other thing is too, like... Because because we talked about it last night, um, it was all done on the ladder position rather than the Roosters being the pre- overall premiers and stuff. Because then, if you do it based on the results from the finals, you do have to start um, judging who how you would rate different teams at different levels. Whereas if you just use the ladder for from this season there's it's just pure stats you're just working with statistics and there's no room for um for your own opinion i guess at any level 
Yeah, I guess so. You could also argue that um, finals football is a different competition of football compared to the uh, regular season. And in the regular season, all 16 teams are competing, which is yep. the first thing to go by. Mm-hmm. So based on that, um, the Dragons have come out with the toughest draw. Wow. Um, they play 13 games against top eight sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven are against the top four teams from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only one of the top four teams that they're only playing once, the rest they're playing twice. And they only play four games against the bottom four teams. Obviously, they were one of the bottom four, but it just means that they're not even doubling up too much on the bottom four teams. Yeah, geez, that's going to make it a tough season for them. Uh, the Dragons fans will not be happy with that. How does this season start, actually? Let me... well, they, play the, um, they play the Tigers in round one, then Penrith, <laughs> both at home. Yep. Then it gets pretty bloody tough. So if um, if I've read the Dragons right in the past, yep. After round two, Paul McGregor will get a contract extension. Yeah, and it'll be a long and lucrative one. Yeah. And from that moment on, they might lose every game in the season. Yeah, because after that, in their next six games, five of them are against teams that finished in the top five in 2019, mm-hmm. and only one of those five games is at home. And that home game, mind you, mm-hmm. is against the Roosters mm-hmm. at the Roosters' home ground at the SCG. Jeez. So that is possibly the worst start a team could have. And for a team that's under pressure, um, I don't know, Dragons fans will be both cheering inside because it could mean the end of McGregor mm-hmm. and also wincing horribly because that is just that is just horrible. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the West Tigers game down in in Illawarra, down there, Illawarra, Wollongong, at Wynn Stadium. I mean, they'd be confident about that at the moment. But, you know, then they play the Panthers, who you never know what you're going to get out of the Panthers. And then, as you say, they go on a bit of a horror run where they take on the Raiders uh, down in Canberra. Then they play the Parramatta Eels at Parramatta, Parramatta Stadium. Um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be a fun start to the season for them, that's for sure. Mm. Then they go over to New Zealand, play the Warriors. Yeah, um, who, like you never know with the Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Then they play South, then the Roosters Anzac Day game at the SCG, and then the Storm. I mean, well, that's, that's not great. That's horrible. Nah. Yeah. And then after that, they've got two away games, which are against um, Newcastle and Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So and then round eleven at home against the Titans. I mean that's when things start looking like they they're definitely going to rack up a win there. Um, the Cowboys and the Warriors had the next toughest, mm-hmm. and then we have um, South and the Titans, and yeah. the Titans have a bloody rough start as well. Yeah, their first six games are all against top six uh, top eight teams from this year as well, and only two of those are home games. It's Parramatta and Brisbane. Man, so, and they're not easy home games either. No. So, again, a lot of travelling for them mm-hmm. and against top teams. And of those top teams they're playing there, they're playing Canberra, Parramatta, Brisbane, the Roosters and Melbourne all in the first five rounds. And then they play Manly rounds, round six. Tigers oh. and Penrith after that. I mean, Jesus. I wonder if it will change the way they look at their preseason, whether 
they will feel like they need to play a, a lot of trial games leading into the start of the year because they can't afford to start off on the back foot. Like they kind of have to hit the ground running if they want to have any sort of season with that start of, to the year. They've got to somehow try and find at least two wins out of those opening six games if they're going to be any chance of a threat at mm-hmm. the end of the year. The draw gets a lot easier in the middle of the year, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit tough towards the end, but you can't have a slow start, especially with a young team like that because um, you know momentum and, and confidence is everything. And if they get to you know round six and they're 0-6, Jesus Christ, it's going to be a it's going to be a hard slog. Yeah, and you know the thing, the whole thing for the Titans right now. I mean, what are they doing with Ash Taylor? Because they basically rode off a season of about a million dollar halfback, and they you just cannot afford to do that, and let alone do it going into a second season. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if he's on that team when they kick off next year. Ash Taylor needs to realise he needs to be told, um, mate, this this season will either be your last season playing first-grade football in Australia, mm-hmm. which is harsh, but seriously, if he has another year like last year, or he has just even an average year, mm-hmm. who the hell's going to pick him up and sign him if the Titans don't want him? Exactly, exactly. So he's got to sit there and realise that, mate, this could be your last year, so enjoy the money while it's there because it's about to stop. Um, and no one in the Super League is going to pay this much for you. No, no that, that's the thing. Like, he has a a true albatross of a contract. Like, who's going to even pick him up? Say the Titans said, we're going to pay 75% of his contract. Who wants him still? Yeah. I don't know anyone would. Yeah, 300 grand seems too much. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. if you think he's not even going to play first grade. I mean, who's going to pay three hundred grand for a bloke to sit in reserves other than the West Tigers? <laughs> and they don't have them. Well, they probably do have the money. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah. It's going to be rough. Uh, the draws are fairly even after that. So I've got the Broncos next, then the mm-hmm. Roosters, and then there's a whole heap here that are equal. So Canberra, Bulldogs, Penrith, Melbourne, Newcastle, they're all sort of got a fairly similar sort of draw. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably argue that the Knights have the easiest draw in here. Yep. Um, Parramatta and the Sharks came in um, next, and then just on you know opponents, Man- uh, West Tigers and then Manly came in with the easiest draws. Okay. Um, Manly because... They they play just have a look at the numbers. They play eleven games against top eight teams. Um, Cronulla's got an issue on because they only play ten games against top eight teams, mm-hmm. which is the lowest number any team has in the uh, up against the top eight. So they've got quite a favourable draw themselves. And I don't even know if they're flying over to New Zealand this year. So they're doing a lot of. A lot of games, just I think all their games are in Australia. Okay. A um, couple of the other things to note. Uh, Magic round in round eight, and they've con- condensed it down to three days. Which is which, good. Yeah, I think that's way better than it was last year. Um, I still don't 
I, I mean, we've talked about Magic Round. It seems a little bit silly. It's still at Suncorp Stadium, which doesn't really do anything for the game at all. But no. uh, it's better that it's down to three days anyway. Yeah. Um, really would have liked to have seen that taken to that big stadium in Perth this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would have been if they weren't playing the nines there, the NRL nines next year. Yeah, I would have had uh, both there. Yeah, I don't think it would have hurt hurt either either no. one. If you're uh, looking at bringing in a team in Perth, try and put as much footy over there as you possibly can and get that get the people, you know, salivating for the thing. Yeah. And I I think the other thing is too, they need to you can have all the events there you want and you can get people through the gates. At what point do you announce you're doing the Perth expansion and it's on? You know, mm. you can't just keep teasing Perth supporters and saying, oh, come look at these other clubs from the other side of the country but, and we're going to give you a team but we're not going to tell you when. No, you can't do that forever. No, it's it's got to be around the corner though. They can't be yeah. doing it. They can't be holding out too much longer. No, no. Um, the other thing that was really, really intriguing about this mm-hmm. draw mm-hmm. is there is a Auckland versus Canberra rugby double header at Eden Park. And this is where the Auckland Blues will take the um, ACT Brumbies and the mm-hmm. Warriors will play the Raiders in a rare double header with both Union and League sharing the same venue at the same time. And they're saying it's the first time ever. Um, I would be shocked if it really was the first time something like that has happened. Um, I feel like it might have happened in some way over in England, maybe not with Super League games, but in su- at some level. Yeah, I think it's per- I'd, I'd be confident that it's happened previously elsewhere. But this will be the first time in NRL Super Rugby history, I guess. So I suppose you can hang your hat on that one. <laughs> it makes me wonder if it was the clubs themselves that worked it out or if it had to do with... Some, like, I mean, I guess at some point the two competitions had to work together, which is the it definitely is the first time these two competitions have worked together. Yeah. That's what makes this so fascinating. Um, I saw some yeah. people on, on Twitter saying that, you know, why would Rugby League do this? They get nothing out of it. And I'd argue that sharing a game on the same day as a rugby union match in at New Zealand's Eden Park, you can't tell me that Rugby League's not going to benefit out of that. New Zealand is rugby mad. Yeah, and it's going to be an event, and it's going to be an event that I think people are not so much going to be thinking, wow, Rugby Union, they're they're being allowed into the league stuff. It's the other way around. Like, Mm. this is league being accepted by Union at the home of Union in New Zealand. Um, Very interesting. I was going to say, I wonder if there'd be any slightly disgruntled fans of the All Blacks after the way they bowed out in the uh, Rugby Union World Cup just recently. You'd think there would be. They might just have a peek at league and go, yeah, we might follow this. You'd think there would be. It'd be a great time to play the uh, magic round in New Zealand, I reckon. Mm, would have been brilliant. Um, I think the other thing that came out, I think there's, I think I saw there's only five games played in, in country areas, which is less than last year. Yeah, look, I guess it's, I mean... They're moving the games around so much at the moment. It's hard to argue that they're not really trying to expand the footprint in terms of where games are played. And I guess at some point you start to, they're going to start to go where the money is. And the money is always going to be in cities. 
Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's, I think though that an easy way of doing this is to have a themed round, and they just have one week in the bush. Stop trying mm-hmm. to take one game here and there in dribs and drabs to yeah. the bush, because that's not really having any impact. But if you had one full round dedicated to country rugby league, yeah, just went right. We're just going to go and play in the bush for this one week. Get all the cost that's going to be and whatever it is. Just get it all out in one go, and we can celebrate everything in the country. I think that would be much better and much more respectful than just throwing out little bits of bone here and there mm-hmm. every five or six weeks, or whatever it is. I wonder if, um, like, like you look at all the other sports in Australia, the major sports, none of them play in the country at all. Like, they just ignore it completely. So it's pretty yes. good that the NRL does get out there because the NRL gets a cops a lot of flack for, oh, they don't do enough in the country and stuff like that. And there's other sports that do more, but the NRL does go out there and play games, which the other sports won't, won't do at all. Um, so that is something. But, yeah, it, I still think it would be cool if each team had one designated game they took elsewhere. And I think if you did that, like if you took those games away from their traditional home grounds, um, it would you'd end up with a lot of games in the country just through that, especially through New South Wales country. Yeah, I mean, and you could you could muck around with it. You could call it Bush Week. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. The Bushwhack. Um, one thing I would say, mm. which probably won't go down well, um, is the NRL should foot the bill for every game. So if they do not come out as a profit. Mm-hmm. The NRL should pick up the tab. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't let the the country centres look after the balance that's on that they, you know, of any loss and stuff that's there. The NRL should look after that so that it it makes it something where the country town doesn't look at an NRL coming in there and going, oh shit, we're going to lose money out of this. Yeah, I, I understand that. And like there was the story I think last or this season where when the uh, Raiders I think played in Wagga. They had they actually lost quite a bit of money because they'd taken a game away from Bruce Stadium, yeah. so uh, obviously that needs to be worked through a little bit. And yeah, I agree with you. It kind of feels wrong when you find out that you know, especially the the regional centres in Australia that they're putting into their their hand in their pocket. I don't care if it's Sydney or Brisbane or somewhere like that. I mean the the public servants waste so much money themselves that, you know, everyone's wasting money. But when you get to small areas like that, it's a little bit different. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, overall, I think the, the draw is pretty damn good, especially, you know, the, the one thing you're always going to get with it is that because because um, everyone isn't playing every other team twice, mm-hmm. you are going to get this conversation every year where people are saying, you know, who's got the toughest draw and whatnot else because that's just the nature of the thing. Yep. Um, but it's also, it would be too long a season if you were to go and make everyone play each other twice because that's got, a, what, a 30-game season? Yeah, and that's ridiculous. And, and, you and that's and before me both, the finals. You and me both agree. The perfect season length is 22. Um, it's 25-round season at the moment. And, you know, when you look at the how Origin affects the games in the middle of the season and that, it's it makes it a bit of a long season, but it's the best we've got at the moment. It works for TV and all that sort of thing, so it's kind of just what we've got to make do with, I guess. I agree. I agree. Um, uh, the yeah. other thing I wanted to point out too, uh, mm-hmm. because ANZ Stadium will be torn apart after 
I think it's Origin 1 next year. A lot of the teams that play at Avanz Stadium are moving to Bank West Stadium at Parramatta. So the Eels are going to play a bunch of games on their home ground, even though they'll be designated, designated as away games. Um, and I think we counted, was it 31 games at Bank West, something like that, um, this upcoming season? Oh. So, and that's fantastic. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's going to be essentially rugby league's um, marquee venue in Sydney, as yeah. it should be. Yeah, I agree. And like, we were looking 20, up... 21, 21 games. Oh, 21, 21. Well, we were looking up last night if you could... Uh, well, you looked it up if you could buy a, a stadium, almost like a stadium season ticket rather than buying season tickets for the clubs. And you, you, it's not able to be done because I would have bought a, one of those tickets straight away if I could have. Yeah, and I think it's something that um, Bankwest probably should have jumped all over. Mm. Yeah, and, I guess it was di- it would be difficult to do in terms of like, um, you know, well, especially I guess when it's just rugby league games there. I suppose it's a clash with Pan- Pan- uh, Panthers memberships and whatnot else. So it's probably yeah. why they went against it. Yeah. So um, good draw. Good draw. Now, now we'll get into all the other stories. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to pick them out in order. Okay, we'll go with this one here because it's got nothing to do with uh, rugby league uh, players. Okay. Macquarie Sports is going to get shut down pretty much ASAP. Mm. Um, I'm guessing this is due to the cost of all of Mark Levy's phone numbers because of all the uh, burner accounts he set up. <laughs> burner accounts, yeah. Even the burner accounts couldn't sign enough of those rating slips that I'm pretty sure they still do, like, with paper. Um, in- it's really interesting. I didn't even know that 2UE had been changed to a sports station until probably about six months ago. But every time I listened to it, I could only last a few minutes because it was just boring. Like, they weren't really talking about sports. It was though they were doing filler until the next advert. Um, And all, all of the... Like, there was two things that stood out to me. There was a heap of content from... Uh, from Melbourne, and it's funny because when I looked on Twitter, there were people from Melbourne saying there was too much content from Sydney. So <laughs> I think they missed the mark in terms of, um, you know, localized content that people wanted mm. to hear. And I think the other thing was that it was all very samey samey. Like the people on there that they got on there, whenever I listened to it, and I hardly ever listened to it, I'll be honest about that. They just all seemed like you know, cookie-cutter sports presenters on the radio. No one was really interesting. No one was really saying anything profound or, you know, steering a course off of this, you know, tried-and-tested path where you don't upset anyone. And I think that that probably hurt it as well. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting. I wonder what they end up doing with the radio licence for that station and if they just go back to being a talk show or or what. Macquarie is Channel 9, isn't it? So I wonder if Channel 9 is going to just put a whole heap of their offset, <laughs> all of their um, off-cut staff, just send them over to the radio show. <laughs> you know, you know, everyone, so... everyone who's had an argument with Andrew Johns or Phil Gould, we'll just put them on the radio, Jason. <laughs> yeah, but there's only 24 hours in a day, Andrew. I mean, come on now. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone, gets, everyone gets five minutes. It's weird that they haven't made it work. I think what it it probably comes down to is like these days you can download a podcast like our one where you can get exactly what you want. And the days of having a a topical station where 
they just try and throw everything at you. I think they're over. And I think we saw that with a lot of the sports, like the 6 p.m. sports shows and stuff that used to be around about 10 years ago, where you listen for an hour and they try and talk about every sport and they just died out because people don't want to hear about every sport. They kind of want to hear about what they want to hear about. And I think that's probably hurt this Macquarie Sports Radio. Um, I think if they had have been had a more narrow focus and had a lot of NRL club shows and things like that, it would have probably gained a lot more momentum rather than it just being, you know, oh, we're talking about every sport, we're talking about every sport, we're talking about every sport. Like the other day I heard them talking to a 2020 cricket player who was just a guy that would go around the world playing 2020 cricket. Now, I guess that's interesting to people that like 2020 cricket, but there's not many of those people. No, I mean... Yeah, I don't want to get started on 2020 cricket. That's <laughs> <laughs> like you're Matthew Elliott to me. How dare you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, moving on, let's get to something where we can rip into the media. Okay. Oh, boy. Sam Burgess. Yeah. He's in the news an awful lot at the moment. The media is, let's be honest, they're... Well, stalking's not the right word. It's like they're, they're hounding him. They're a little bit obsessed. Yeah. So I've, I've debated about whether to mention this or not, but I thought, fuck it, I'm going to just address it and get it out of the system. Okay. okay. So in the last few weeks, we've had sh- these pathetic, grubby stories come up about Sam Burgess' personal life, about his marriage and relationship with his you know, stepfather or father-in-law and all sort of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... None of that needs to be public. And then he's photographed by some random, God knows how or who, in Mexico on a boat. Mm -hmm. And the Telegraph still managed to get someone out there with a bloody telegraphic lens to uh, get a photo of him wearing not much. And Buzz Rothfield has come out and pretty much said, well, what's he doing over there celebrating when he's got all these personal issues and he's got an injured shoulder? He should be focusing on that. Yeah, like, he should be kicking stones in a hyperbaric chamber for the next six months until the season kicks off. Exactly. Like, the bloke is not allowed to try and find a way to get a bit of respite from all this fucking saga that's going on in his life. Mm. He's not allowed to have a bit of fun. He's not allowed to try and relieve some of this pressure and strain he's going through. On and the then, other side of the world. On the other side of the world, away from everyone, yet they still chase him. And then there's yeah. some stupid bullshit story on the front page of the telly today about how some unknown thing on some reality TV show apparently sent him a message, and so it's, apparently that means there's some sort of relationship going on. Who gives a fine fuck? Exactly. If he wants to go around and put his end in her thing, fucking go for it, son. I don't give a shit. I just want to watch him play footy. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't really have any interest in what players do um, off the footy field. Uh, sometimes it's interesting that something will crop up and you'll be like, wow, that's, you know, but this stuff with Sam Burgess is a bit gross and the way that the media keeps going. And, and it's weird because when you look at the, the posts on these wet, these news sites and when it's put on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, the overwhelming majority of people that are commenting are saying that it's gross what's going on in terms of what the media's doing and to leave him alone. Yeah. Because you're not getting this sort of level of 
uh, absurd stalkerism type crap yeah. in pretty much any other sport in Australia. Mm-hmm. It just seems to be with a few players in, in the NRL. It's not even all of them. It's just a few of them. And it, it's sick. I'm just it, sick of seeing it. It really is. I mean, can, can you imagine being a footy player? Where, I mean, he was in, like, Mexico or something. Yeah, he's in Mexico. Boat. Yeah, and can you imagine that you wake up the next day and you get you wake up to a bunch of texts from your friends or your family or something saying, you're on the back page over here. You're it like, just, I can't even go to fucking Mexico on a boat and get away from these pricks. Yeah, and that's when, and, and this is something the media will do, they'll get upset when there's a private function with a club and they'll be like, oh, they're doing it all behind doors because of this, 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 and it's like, maybe they just want to get away from you lot. I'll tell you one thing that it reminded me of, hmm. and it's absurd, this this uh, comparison. Mm-hmm. But um, remember when um, Lady Di was seen out on a boat with, I think it was Dirty Al-Fayed, mm. and they had people chasing her around on a camera. She couldn't even go on a boat and to the ocean to try and get away from them. People were still hand her and try and take photos of her. Yep. Like, you how know sick the... do you think people are? Not everyone wants to know this shit. Only you the know... media does. The Dallas Cowboys, and I don't know if they do it anymore, they used to have a place that was for the, the players, and I think it was called The Ranch or something. I can't remember. It was a fair while ago. I don't know if they still do it. But basically, they the idea, and this is a little bit of an urban legend as well, so allegedly, allegedly the idea was go there and you'll be safe and no one will see what you're up to and you know we'll make sure you don't get in trouble. And apparently there was all sorts of stuff went on there, but it didn't happen in the public eye. Um, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if one day we're going to get to some sort of level like that in Australian sport. And I hope well, we don't. We had a moment several years ago where the Bulldogs decided to have their Mad Monday at Belmore, and they closed the gates so no one can get in there. Mm. And the media still sent a crime reporter down, and they sent a fucking chopper over the top of the venue to see what was going on. Yeah. That's how that, sick they are. And they heard them laughing at a YouTube video from 80 metres away and made it out like they were laughing at the media. It was hilarious. Um, yeah. You're they right. There. Essentially what they did is they went to the zoo, they poked a bear, and when the bear fought back and got cranky, they go, mm. oh, the fucking bear's a prick, and they were all sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, even the Bulldogs, when they, they hired that um, that function room above a pub and all of a sudden someone has a telephoto lens and they're shooting straight into the second story, but supposedly from the ground floor. Like, you know, it's weird. It's very weird. And it's obsessive and it's sick and it needs to come to an end. Yeah, I agree. I'd love to know who reads that shit. I don't know. I think this is the thing, okay, is people see the headline, they click on it, not because they want to get outraged, mm. but because they're concerned that something's happened to their club. Yeah. And then they read the story and they're like, oh, fuck, I've been duped again. Yeah. And I remember the, years... But the thing is, the Telegraph sees the figures and go, oh, got heap of hits there. That's what people want to see. Let's keep pumping more of that out. <laughs> I remember... It's a false economy. Uh, I think it was after the Panthers grand final win, and it was like maybe a week or two after it, there was a headline that led Channel 9 News that a player's brother, I think it was, had police visit his house. And, like, that was it. But that's what led the news. <laughs> and 
it's like, where are we going to draw the line here? Hang on. Was he an NRL star? Oh, they're always an NRL star. That's right. <laughs> now, while we're on Sam Burgess, we'll, this is getting back onto the footy stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, had a bit of a funny moment today. Not so much Sam, but Todd Greenberg. Mm. And he said, these are Todd Greenberg's quotes. It'd be a shame to not see Sam run out again this year. He's been an ornament to the NRL and the way that he carries himself on the field. This comes, what, six, seven weeks after Burgess pulled a player's hair, got a one-week suspension, and then accused the judiciary of being a kangaroo court. He's an ornament to the game. Yeah. Like, how does that work, Todd? Like, Todd Greenberg's fantastic because... I reckon you could say to Todd Greenberg, like, what do you reckon about Charles Manson? And he'd be like, well, man, I've got to say something where everyone feels like nice and warm and fuzzy inside because he's such a politician, Todd Greenberg. And he gets upset when people call him a politician because he's a politician. Yeah, I've said this before. I think I think he'd be good if he was just made to do his job without doing any media whatsoever. Yeah. I think part of the media stuff distracts him from his job. I'm confident that he could do his job perfectly fine and do good things for the rugby league if he had zero media presence whatsoever. Yeah, I agree, because he tends to just say say stuff that makes you scratch your head. It's like not even terrible stuff. It's just like... Like, just it makes him sound completely disconnected from the reality that I think um, the game lives in. Yeah, um, completely right. And you, you'll get a lot of people who hate on him and they want to get him sacked and sort of shit. And I just want to say to people, just stop and remember the time when the game was run by David Gallup. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much you dislike um, Todd Greenberg, he's better than David Gallup. No, it doesn't have to be by much, yeah. but by enough. I don't know. I, I'm i not a big fan. No, I, I know. You don't have to be a big fan, but yeah. I can't I can't see how anyone could argue with me that, that Gallup was mm. better than Greenberg. See, I think they're they're running the games in different eras, massively. Like, David Gallup was almost like a post-war prime minister. Like, he he had to put things back together after Super League for the most part. And he took over the job reluctantly. And, I mean, he had had to run the gauntlet of the game was wildly underfunded. He was – half of his bosses were the same – media companies that he used to work for as a lawyer but who were also negotiating for the tv and broadcasting rights and then he had a lot of off-field problems as well to deal with and he had you know players knew they were being underpaid and i just think that they are in different situations they are but a lot of those and there was a lot of off-field incidents when gallup was around Mm -hmm. and most of the time he handled those very poorly but I know that there's things that um, we have criticised David Gallup for because he he'll, he will sometimes make the right decision mm. and then foolishly backtracks, backtracks on it. Like the decision on Flanagan, the decision on um, Simona. The initial decisions, 
Yeah. Absolutely spot on perfect. Yep. Gallup never would have made that that first decision. He would have sat on his hands and waited for somebody else to do something, and he would have just sat there and done nothing. And that See, constantly but, happened. But the problem with, with Greenberg is he will ruin a good decision. See, I wondered, though, because I... The thing about David Gallup, it's weird, like I'm fucking defending David Gallup. Um, <laughs> the thing about David Gallup, though, is he didn't have a boss. Like, Todd Greenberg has a boss in the, the commissioner, the head of the Australian Rugby League Commission, and then he's got the commissioners above him. Um, whereas, like, David Gallup, who would he go to to get the green light to do anything when he was in charge? I think he was the man controlling the green lights, wasn't he? See, I don't think he could be, because you had the ARL, who were a weird organisation, like they were almost a zombie organisation at the time. And then you had News Limited, who every so often would step in and make decisions. I just think it was a weird situation. It probably was, but I think he probably had more authority over what the NRL was doing than what Greenberg has. I I think you're right about that, yeah. And I think when you put that into consideration, I think he used that authority less effectively than what Greenberg does with what little he has in comparison. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying Greenberg's golden and great and fantastic. I'm just saying that you know we are literally comparing um, <laughs> two of the not so great leaders that the game's had. It's like of, we're we're talking about order. running shoes, and we're like. I like Dunlops. I don't know about Dunlops. I like me some Asics. I was going to say Aerosport. Yeah. Oh, man, I used to have a pair of Aerosport when I was a kid, eh? Likewise. Um, someone who's never bought Aerosport shoes, Sonny Bill Williams. Mm. How, how was that for a fucking segue, by the way? That was brilliant. That was like, uh, uh, that's why you're the best in the business. <laughs> Sunnyville Williams has reportedly slash allegedly been offered $9 million over two years to go to the Toronto Wolfpack. See, if I was Sunnyville Williams and my manager said that that much was on offer, I would fly straight to wherever the contract was and just sign it and just stay there. I'd just sit in the chair. I'd be like, man, I ain't moving off this chair. I just want to let you know I'm here. I'm staying here. I'd actually, if I was him, I'd go there and say, I'm signing this. Now, what do you want me to do? Do you need any vacuuming done, dishes, yes. car washed? You know, <laughs> you, t- you name it. <laughs> 4.5 million a year. Look, and my point that I'm going to make here is that mm-hmm. um, it's, not about, it's not even about whether that's he's worth that money or not. Yeah, It's about the fact that he hasn't played rugby league for several years. He mm-hmm. is in his early to mid-30s. Mm-hmm. How many NRL players could you buy if you had nine million, or you had four point five million a year? And you're Toronto. I reckon you could probably get three. Yeah, and here's the thing, right? I think that the Super League salary cap uh, rule is that they can do this for only one player. So they they do it. They designate him as a marquee player, and then only three hundred thousand pounds of his salary will count on their cap. The rest they can spend as much as they want, which is what it sounds like they're going to do. But I think for that much money, you could get any player in the entire world. Yes. Like, 
wouldn't you rather, and I would hate it if this happened, but wouldn't you rather get a Jason Talmalolo or a, you know, what if you offered that to James Tedesco or, yeah, like even yeah. Cooper Cronk? Um, I think the Alan best Conner. player, yeah, I think the best player for them to target, if they want someone that's going to tear up Super League, that'll be a big name player and that will bring the crowds in for them, I think they'd be better off getting Semi Radradra. Yeah, that'd be a pretty big signing. Um, and he'd be way cheaper as well. The other thing, too, is do they really need to offer him $4.5 million a year? Like, how much is New Zealand rugby actually going to pay for him? There's no one out there paying that much for him. No. Nah. Well, the, I mean, the papers were saying he'd be the highest paid rugby player in either code ever if he picked up that, that deal. Oh, no doubt. So... Because I don't uh, think... I don't think rugby union contracts have that much difference in size to the rugby league ones for the elite players. No, I think, yeah, I think that they're pretty close. So um, I, I don't see why you'd need to offer him four and a half million a year. I think you could probably just go on to him and said, we'll give you 1.5 million a year. He'd go, shit, yeah. But what if, and the, the club is owned by a billionaire, Australian mining billionaire, I think it said. Mm. If you're a billionaire and, say you're hanging out with his manager and say, listen, what would it take? And his manager goes, oh, I don't know, four and a half million bucks a year, you know? <laughs> and you go, okay, done. Yeah. Like, if if you've got the money to spend and four and a half million a year for a billionaire is nothing, I can see where, like, if they can afford the money easily, if the owner wants to chuck the money in like that, and it's only for one player, and it's not any. It's not going to hurt the club's sustainability. I don't see a problem with it. Nah, I I think though, it could just be a sign of posturing. Like we've just gotten the Super League, and now we're just going to show every Super League team just how big our balls are. Mm. Like we're just going to say that we can offer Sonny Bill William four point five million. What can you do? They're already sitting there scratching their ass going, um... Yeah. We can get yeah. Lachlan Coot over here. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And, like, and we were talking about this earlier. We did a really good podcast we didn't record earlier. Um, how does a club based in a small town in northern England, and you can pick any of them that, that are like that, how do they compete with the city that is a one-team, one-country team one continent team at this point in terms of Super League that has a billionaire owner who can outlay nine million bucks on one player over two years. Like there's no there's no other Super League team can really do that. No. And I I did raise the question in our um unofficial off air episode mm-hmm. that what's stopping him from buying every other Super League club? Or, or the, just the ones he wants and starting his own competition. He could be a one-man Super League war. Yeah, gonna, I've always... How I've the hell always, is the RFL going to compete against him? They couldn't. They couldn't. And I've always wondered what it would cost to buy St. Helens, Leeds, and Wigan. Um, because I've always thought that the Rugby Football Union should look at doing that. But if you're a billionaire, I mean, surely he could afford it. And... I guess you do a similar thing. Like you go to these club chairmen who basically own a club and say, how much would you take for it? And they'll say, oh, you know, 20 
20 million pounds. <laughs> and you go, all right, done. Like, it, it's it's an interesting scenario where the Super League movement of a, of a competition could be forged by one club owner. Yeah. I always thought Kokash could have done that, hey. But I, I think that he... I think he loved rugby league, and he was—he really wanted to see Salford do well. But I think that he sort of—he saw that it was going to be a big, messy thing to do. Well, after he pumped so much money in there, getting overhauling the roster in his first two seasons, mm. and got zero results in return, mm. I think he's gone. Yeah, I've got to start using my money more wisely with this club and thinking mm. outside just the playing roster. And I mean, he stopped them from being being relegated, which was probably going to happen if he hadn't come along. Oh, they were dead. They were basically yeah. dead when he came along, and um, he has really been. lucky. He did revitalise them in a big way. Mm. Would have been brilliant for them if they had won the Super League Premiership. But yeah, uh, it's a real shame that he wasn't allowed to buy the Bradford Bulls a number of years ago. Well, speaking of Bradford, the um. The RFL chairman, Simon Johnson, today confirmed that the governing body will keep the lease on Bradford's Oddsall ground in 2020, despite the fact it won't have any games played there. Because Bradford will be playing at um, Dewsbury's Tetley Stadium. And I don't understand why. Mm. Like, like the, the club has now been purchased. I'm guessing that that's why, the because the Dewsbury Rams owner... Um, he has 24.9% of the club now. Um, so I'm guessing that that was part of his, uh, getting involved in the club is that he wanted to get something out of the games being played there in Dewsbury. But yeah, I don't understand why they're just not moving back straight back to Odsall. Um, I think that I read where it said that it's going to cost 200,000 pounds of the rugby football league's money to run. Uh, to basically keep Oddsall Stadium up to standard, even though no play, no games have been played, um, which is kind of outrageous and shows how terribly mismanaged everything is. Um, and club chairman weren't real happy about that. But I also saw an article in which the owner of Hull KR was very scathing in regards to the previous owners of the um, Bradford Bulls. Um and basically said that at one point the Super League, the other Super League owners were looking to get together and maybe buy Oddsall so that the previous owners wouldn't get a chance to. So there was a lot of bad blood there. I found that very interesting. Um, but yeah, what a messy situation. And I mean, surely there's some way that Oddsall could be used by Rugby League in the UK in some capacity. Of course, it, it's... I can't see why they can't. Um, Johnson admitted the RFL board exploring the options for the future of Oddsall. It could be kept in case Bradford decide to return in 2021, but there's also a possibility that it could be sold completely. Johnson said, Oddsall is currently mothballed following the decision by Bradford Bulls to leave. The board is working with the club to ensure that a return to the stadium in 2021 remains an option while continuing positive discussions with Bradford City Council on a development plan for the site and exploring options around the sale of the governing body's interest in the stadium. Oh, God, that's a mess. 
It really is. And now rugby, and this was the, the problem with it when they bought it. Now rugby league owns an asset that is of questionable value. Now it's of very, very questionable value because quite honestly, it's a football stadium with no football being played there. Oh, what a, it really is. It's such a mess. And it really shows how just poorly run rugby league in the UK is. Yeah. And to be fair, maybe the rugby football league, the people that are running it now. This, I mean, this is something that they kind of inherited, but still, it just seems like such a terrible, messy situation. And I mean, you know, only the rugby football league could buy the controlling interest in a ground that then has no football played at it. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of classic rugby football league at some maybe, level. Maybe maybe they could get Dewsbury to play there. <laughs> Yeah, oh, look, there's got to be something that could be done with it. Like, I, I don't know what that is. Like, it's Bradford is a city that is a rugby league city in the north yeah, of England. I'm sure they, that they wouldn't want some rugby league played there. I think it was the Magic Weekend there. Yeah, Try, and, be try and replicate like that crowd of 100-odd thousand they got in the, was it the 50s or 60s or it was? Yeah, 100 and, what was it, 109,000, I think it was. It was immense. It was just people on the hill and going out to the streets and stuff. I mean, the people at the back wouldn't have seen jack shit. Nah, nah. It's they, crazy. They, just, crazy. they were just rocking up to say they were there. It's a crazy picture, though, isn't it? Oh, it's insane. It's like an iconic one, I think, in rugby yeah, league. It is. Um, so, back to Australia. Joey Manu has signed an extension to stay at the Roosters until 2022. It's a good so sign. The, the Roosters will be looking at what they can do with Latrell Mitchell, I guess. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk that it was going to be one or the other. You and me both said that we'd probably prefer Manu, and I think that's a great signing by the Roosters. Oh, um, very, very, he's a very consistent, high performer, and yeah, great signing. Yep. Um, the Ryan Madison Tigers swap with another NRL player has continued to another NRL club. And this time it's the Dragons. And the Tigers looking for a straight swap, I believe, with between Madison and Luciano Lailua. Now, I'm I'm less I'm less irritated by this decision because at least Lailua is young, big, a forward, mm-hmm. um, plenty of potential there. Yeah, it's not it's not like they're trying to get fucking Matt Moylan. Um, <laughs> I'm glad they've moved on from that concept. Yeah. But still, it's... I don't know. It's a, it's a messy thing. They're, they're trying to do a swap deal so that money doesn't have to change hands and doesn't impact on anyone's salary cap. And I'm not sure my Lua's at the stage yet where he's worth the same amount of money as Madison is. No. Knowing that Madison's on 300 grand, apparently. Yeah, and Lua, I mean, you can see the potential there, but unless he unlocks it, it doesn't matter. You know, he's a, at the moment, he's a fringe first grader. And he's a fringe first grader at a club that was really, really poor this year. Um, he has potential to be really good, but, you know, you were he's saying played. earlier, if he had his brother's aggression, it would be something else. But he just doesn't seem to have that. Yeah. He's played 43 NRL games, 33 mm-hmm. off the bench. Um, yeah. 
you kind of hope that given that he's 23 going on 24, that he would have probably nailed down a, uh, a starting spot somewhere by now. But that, that Dragons pack is pretty damn impressive. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, in his defense, that would have been keeping him out. But still, he's young. He's a big boy. I don't do mind reckon, if the Tigers are after him. Yeah, do you reckon that uh, it's kind of, it's a Flanagan move, hey? Yeah. Like, he seems like a Flanagan sort of player. Madison? Yeah. Yeah, he is, definitely. And the the thing that worries me about all of the names we've heard as a swap for him is the quality, and I don't put Matt Moylan in here, but the quality tends to be falling each time you hear a name, um, and that's a bit of a worry. But well, Another yeah. worry was the fact that the Tigers had also been linked with um, Jarabaria Hargraves. Mm-hmm. And I, I just cringe and go, I, I, I got no issue with Jarabaria Hargraves, but you don't go offering contracts to blokes who are over 30 that are forwards especially ones that give away penalties and can be a bit hot-headed and get suspended a bit. And We, we need a regular, consistent pack mm. of toilers and meter-eaters. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want a 30-year-old JWH. Besides, I don't know that he'd thrive at the Tigers with that pack that's not as strong as the, uh, the Roosters pack. Yeah, he's the sort of player that... For certain clubs, he's just what they need. Like, I think he might be pretty good at Penrith, where they need somebody that is actually aggressive in the forwards, and you would take the bad because of the good that he does bring. But if he's your marquee forward that you're bringing in, I think that you're looking for the wrong player. Um, It's a weird situation. I mean, I wonder if they're just going to get to a point where they know he doesn't want to be there. It's pretty obvious they don't want him there now. Um, and if they'll just take what they can get. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's almost, he's about to turn 31. So yeah. according to Matty Johns, he's in the peak of his career. Oh yeah. He's got years ahead of him. <laughs> yeah. I'd argue that his peak was probably about three years ago. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd agree not with that. Not, not saying he's dropped off a heap, but I think he's, he's on a bit of a downslope now. Steady, very steady, as most players would be. But yeah, I think the Tigers need to get a young bloke who's like like they do with um, Madison. Get yep. a young bloke. He's he's had a bit of experience and he's knocking on the door to be a starter. Get him in there while he's young. That's what they needed. So look for blokes who are under the age of thirty, please. <laughs> yeah, they don't need any more old forwards. They've got heaps no. of them. Yeah, they're all sitting on the bench in reserve grade. Yeah. Um, next story, Jordan Rapana is going to play Japanese rugby union during the off season. Mm -hmm. And he was hoping that he would be able to come back in time to play for the Raiders in the 2020 NRL season. Mm -hmm. But the NRL has come out tonight and said, no, you can't do that. And that's a good move. I think it's, I think uh... so too. Yeah, we saw Benji Marshall try to do it a number of years ago. The circumstances were a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's something that the NRL doesn't want to allow to become a habit for players because they'll start doing it. 
Like, and we saw that with cricket. Remember, the cricketers would say, like, "Oh, we're playing too much cricket. We're playing too much cricket." And then twenty twenty turns up, and all of a sudden they're playing twenty twenty in bloody, you know, the Caribbean and yes, just random fields in Canada and stuff like that. And yeah, so I I don't think that it's something the NRL wants to be having any place thinking of. And so no, I think I'm, it's a good move. Yeah, I think too the NRL might be worried that clubs would be using it as a way to allow a player to top up their contract without having to worry about third party deals or the salary cap. Just yeah. you know, you know, they say to say to Jordan there, we can only give you say three hundred fifty thousand a year, mm-hmm. and we know you want six hundred fifty thousand, so we'll let you go to Japanese rugby and earn three hundred grand for two or three months or whatever it is playing over there. Mm-hmm. Then you can come back. That way you're getting your six fifty a year. We're not paying for it. Our third parties aren't paying for it. We're all under the cap. Mm. You're making big dollars. So I think that's probably a part of the reason why this, they're taking a firm line against it. And I'm, yeah, I'm supportive of that idea. 100%. Um, the last story is a bad one. Okay. Manasi Finu is... Mm. In jail, he's been refused bail. He's got three charges against his name after a incident where I think it's being alleged that he took a knife to a church and stabbed someone. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but whenever I go to church, I take my Bowie knife with me. Um, As someone who isn't a... uh, God botherer. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I can see how church may may push some people to those extents. I not me personally. I sort of go to ch- you know the times I go to church, I kind of see there's an opportunity to maybe catch a few zeds. Apparently, when he stood up in court and they said, "What do you plead?" and he said, "Weirdest stigmata ever," it didn't go down well. Yeah, that that probably wouldn't have been <laughs> a good line. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't this is this is absurd. I don't know it what really drives is. a person to do this sort of shit. It's got me yeah. beat. And he's um, uh, he's in jail right like he's in jail right now. He's sleeping on a cot in a jail the, cell. The NRL has obviously stood him down. Mm-hmm. Um and if the allegations ring true, I don't think anyone's really I don't we're not seeing the same level of outrage over yeah. this no-fault stand-down policy this time as we did last year when Jack DeBellin got stood down. Yeah. Like people have seen this and gone, holy shit, yeah, yeah, stand him down. We don't want that in the game at all. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it because is. you and me jumped up and down. We've jumped up and down about this, you know, stand-down policy the NRL does before anyone's found guilty. Um, I still don't like it. But you kind of have me there just there right now. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to have that policy in place right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just so. can't, I can't wait for his redemption story. Well, Danny Widler's already talking. Probably already lined up his wife for an interview. <laughs> Did you get my right ear in shot? Get my He's right ear in shot. It's you know what stabbing people at church allegedly is not his guy. That's not his guy. No. Nah. He's a good bloke. He comes yeah. from a good family. Yep, 100%. All the it's cliches. Yeah. 
Um, Everyone deserves a second chance. Yeah. Yeah, well, you'll then get the next one, which is, you know, he needs rugby league. It'll be his rehabilitation. I just can't wait for the moment that he says, I'd like to thank God for giving me a second chance. It's like you allegedly stabbed someone in church, bruh. Wow. We could we could go on about religion and say, you know, God doesn't exactly have clean hands in that regard. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The uh, Noah flood. I mean, that always comes to mind. Um, He's got quite a few there. I, we don't need to go into it. I've not studied nah. enough of it to be able to criticise it too much, but I'm pretty confident I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jesus Christ, that's nuts. Um, that is nuts. There was also another story of Josh Dugan getting into some sort of altercation at a pub up in Queensland, and... I think the Telegraph was saying that the the Sharks may be looking at doing a carny to him. And the funny mm. thing is with the, the article that I read, mm. it's talking, it uses all these little words to describe Dugan troubled. I don't think of Josh Dugan as troubled. How many instances did he actually have? Was it one where he was drinking pineapple cruises on the roof? Yeah, on the roof. I'm trying to think. I feel like there was something else that he did. Oh, man, my brain is failing me. The thing I is, think, though, like, I think... I think he, he, was, he was overheard by Buzz Rothfield calling Buzz a dickhead. But that yeah. doesn't make him troubled. Nah, if anything, that makes him a good judge of character. <laughs> so, I seriously can't think of what other instance he had. And I can't even really call that one, because all he was doing was just drinking while injured. He does that have that tattoo of Ray Lewis's face on his upper thigh. That's that's a I call that worrying. Yeah, and there's <laughs> the, a lot of doily tattoos around his neck. Yeah, well, don't, the neck tattoos, man. You got to be a footballer if you're tattooing your neck. Yeah, maybe he just likes haberdashery. Possibly. He's a fan of the fabric. Who isn't? Um, <laughs> I wonder what sheet county likes. <laughs> Not sheet count, thread count. See, I'm a dude. I don't know what this yeah. shit is. No idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's all this talk in there, and they're going to yeah, do a carny on him and, and try and get his contract front ripped up and stuff like that. Um, the difference here, though, which hasn't mm. been mentioned, is that I'm pretty sure Todd Garney had behaviour clauses in his contract, which Josh Dugan wouldn't have had because he only had one genuinely pissy little incident that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it seemed like they really tried. They wanted it to be something, and it just fizzled out. No one really cared. Yeah, so I don't think the Sharks are going to try and find a way to stack him over this. No, nah, no. Nah, it'd be very harsh, and, you know, I think that... I think if he's going to leave the Sharks, it'll be just through the normal process of maybe off-season player moves, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think it's gonna. This is gonna be the catalyst. Whatever happened, like it seems like they don't really know what happened, eh? Yeah, there's there's guesswork at this stage. Mm. Um, all we know is that Dugan didn't report it. Apparently, he didn't report it to the mat. What is it? The integrity unit. Integrity unit. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, so don't know what's going to come out of that. Um, back to one other story about Sam Burgess. Mm-hmm. Um. South are pretty much trying to get him medically retired. 
Yeah. Now, found today, apparently according to the NRL rules, um, you can't be medically retired if the injury you get after you sign your current contract is the same, you know, you've had an injury in that same that same part of your body on a previous time prior to that contract. Mm-hmm. And Burgess had have an operation on this shoulder prior to signing his current deal, which means I... I can't see how they can medically retire him if that rule is actually the case. Yeah, that it would have to. Um, my guess is they would have to find um, that. Yes, it might be the same area of his body, but this injury is to a different part of his shoulder or something like that. Yeah, they're uh, going to have to find a, a way around it because otherwise, if he has to retire, they may have to pay him out, and they'll have to have a million dollars out of their cap for the next three years or four years, whatever it was his contract extension was for. And yeah, that's and a big be, whack. It'd be kind of shocking. I I feel as though he's going to play next year. I feel as though... I think so too. You know, they, there's got to be something that he can be shot up with. And this is a question I would like to ask somebody that's involved in... Uh, and not so much about Stan Burgess. Take Stan Burgess out of it. But I would like to talk to somebody that's involved in anti-doping and ask them whether there is the opportunity that a player with a degenerative issue might, under supervision, be able to go on some sort of course or something, even if it was regulated by a an organ like a sporting organization's doctor to keep them playing if they got to the point where their career was under threat. Because, I mean, we're going to get to a point where there's all sorts of amazing things that can happen. And, and you know, do you want to see somebody retire, you know, five or six years too early when they, if they retire, they can get all the injections and work that they need and have that part of their body fine again? But because it's illegal substances they've used just to rehabilitate uh, from a career-ending injury, um, that they won't be able to return to their sport. It's a really, it's an interesting question, and it's one that I've thought about for a while. And I'd love to a, talk to somebody about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a grey area because, you know, is there anything stopping Sam Burgess from taking any illegal substance he wants, so long as he takes the whole year off? Mm. The substance is, you know, he stops using it after like three or four months and gets himself fully recovered, mm-hmm. and he doesn't come back until the next year. Because he hasn't played any professional sport whatsoever, mm. does he still get drug tested in that year? It's a good question. Like, I would think that there'd be uh, like stem cell treatments and stuff you could get these days on your shoulder that would help. And I don't know if stem cell treatment is uh, legal or not. I've got no idea. But, yeah, I mean, it's a weird one. It's a very weird one. Like, I mean, even Greg Inglis, Greg Inglis's knee was a problem. If he was able to go into some program with the NRL in which he he got the – they tested him, they found his base level, then they allowed him to go into a program that would get him knee treatments – that might be illegal in competition, but because he's taken the active year off um, and they keep testing him, I mean, test him every, you know, week or whatever it takes. But if that means that he gets to play on the following year, 
and his base level is always tested if he gets tested more than any other player going forward. I mean, you know, how does that work? But there are plenty of people that would say, look, that in itself is performance enhancing because without that, without that treatment, he's not playing at all. So, And that's a good argument. So who knows? But it's something to think about, I think. Yeah, it would be... Be interesting to see. I, I assume that it wouldn't be allowed to be done, but uh, mm. yeah, very interesting topic. That it'd be good to find out. We'll have to try and get someone on to, to discuss that with us. Yeah, it'd be very, very interesting. I feel as though if you talk to an anti-doping person, they would obviously be against it. Um, so I don't know who you would talk to about it. Yeah. I'll leave that up to you to find out. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do one of those things where I message in the middle of the day and be like, oh, yeah, we're talking to this person. <laughs> I mean, you found us a, uh, a neuroscientist. Yep. Yeah, I was pretty uh, good with that. <laughs> it could be done. Um, so just before we wrap it up, mm-hmm. 100 episodes. Yeah, congratulations. You did well. Fucking mammoth. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny if... When we started, if somebody had said, oh, you'll do 100 episodes just after the season, I would have been like, no way. There's no bloody way. Um, and, yeah, so off-season, we're still cranking them out. We'll probably get to 200 by the start of next year, hey? At this rate, it's it's very possible, yes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we've got big off-season planned, plenty more um, history stuff. You know, everyone seems to be liking that, so there's more of that coming. Um yeah, we've we've got a few other things that we've got up this up the sleeve. We're not going to reveal too much yet, but uh, we sh- we should probably try and line up a, another live episode sometime soon too. It's been a few, quite a few weeks since we last did one. Yeah, I was thinking maybe this weekend with some of the the internationals. Hey, sounds like a plan. Yeah, new month. It'll be good fun. Um, we'll we really, in then. What else have we got coming up? Uh, oh, we've got some website things that we're doing. Both of us will be doing over the off season. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, we've got a lot of plans. It's, it's all good. It's all bloody go here. Yeah. Yeah. You know what we do need? We need people to go onto their apps, uh, that they're listening to us on right now and give us a five star rating and leave us a really nice reply, like a nice review. And if you leave a really nice review, we will read it out and read your name out on the podcast. Absolutely. Um, just checking. No more reviews, but uh, yeah, definitely get in there and give us the reviews. They are fantastic. Um, yeah, and you can follow the uh, the podcast on Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. Get on there and, and follow us. Um, we don't have too much activity on there other than the podcast going up and there's a little bit of banter here and there, mm. so it's not going to kill your timeline. Um, yeah, check out Fergo Freak Pod. Uh, God, we're on everybody. Uh, podcast listening app everywhere yeah absolutely everything i think that there's one that there's not one that we're not on to be honest mm. like if you can find one we're not on tell us <laughs> yeah and uh, make sure you subscribe so you, you get to download every episode straight away and let's do whatever the hell you want as well so that, that's always a a good bit for convenience mm-hmm. um yeah we're on youtube as well go over there and hit the thumbs up on all the episodes if you've got enough time to click on 100 videos and do that sort of shit yeah, I have to watch them. Uh, we're getting a 
Fergo and the Freak website put together. It's only going to be basic, but it'll still be pretty cool looking. Um, and yeah, what else are we doing? Oh, I don't know. Everything. Halloween. <laughs> Dressing up for Halloween. Well, I I just don't have a shave. Yeah, I, I, I don't know whether to go as Thor or Iron Man. How about Thorn Man? Thorn Man or Iron Thorn. Iron Thorn. Yeah. That sounds good. Sounds a bit Soviet. Does a little bit. It's a shame we don't have my Captain America shield. It could be Captain Thorn America. Oh. Are are you getting the shield? Uh, I think I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a couple of months. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be pretty impressive. Yeah, that's what she said. And on that note, thanks for tuning in, everyone, and uh, we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.